Hey everybody, Luke here for another episode. This one's with my good mate, Will Crozier. Will is a really bright guy, but he's very humble. Uh, He's always been someone who's deferred to other people in terms of getting his own coaching, even though he's a very strong man. I highly recommend checking out his Instagram and seeing some of the lifting that he's done. If you listen to the episode with Jamie Smith, he and Jamie are pretty close mates and have been working together Uh, Jamie's been helping out with a bit of coaching for Will for the sort of last couple of months, I think. Um, So a bit of an unstoppable team there. But Will's always been someone who I've found very intelligent, thinks outside the box, and at the same time, a very humble guy, always willing to share his ideas and explain what he's trying to do. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Please check out Will's stuff. His coaching company is called Nexus Performance. And you can check him out on his Instagram at Will Crozier. Obviously, I'll have it all in the description. Hope you enjoy. Give us some feedback on it. And uh, that's it. After, it's been a long time coming, but I guess I've had to have a few slaps in the face to get it right. And that's, um, well, it started with, you know, when I was in America with Steffi. And then when I've spoken to Jordan multiple times and a little bit of Sebastian. And then I saw Eugene and, and Jordan again. Yeah, in Melbourne the other week, and then yeah, I just realised that like uh, pushing social media and content and everything is so much more important than I actually give it the time of day for. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 like one of those things that you know it's true, and but you're just like, eh, I'm just yeah, gonna, I'm not. yeah, and just so today's my first day uh, of not having clients at all today. Cause I usually spread them evenly through the week because I just like kind of, um, I don't have like one day for clients or something. So like, yeah. yeah, just today's my first day without any clients and just purely focusing today on all that kind of stuff. Just posts and YouTube filming stuff, podcasts, um, yeah, dude. all that kind of business. So it's been a fun day of just trying to, trying to change my mindset about it and treat it more seriously. <laughs> uh, bro, I know exactly what you mean. Like I went through the exact same thing, just didn't want to have anything to do with it. It was like, yeah, whatever. Um, I'm a coach. Oh. Like I'm not here to post stuff, you know, like it's ridiculous, but you do realize how much um, value it can bring to what you're doing and then you can reach more people. So it's tough. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. Well, somebody, somebody said to me that um, if you want to be an online coach, then you have to be, you have to be online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you put it that way. <laughs> God damn it, he's right. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I didn't want to, but yeah, it's um, fuck. Yeah, it's hard. Like even now, like I still find, like, you get some returns off of social media, but I don't really like using it. Sometimes it's cool because you obviously connect with people and get a good response for things and you're like oh this is awesome like it's it's sweet i'm getting a nice interaction with someone or i meet someone online and then you mm. become mates in the industry or whatever um but like still you when you're on your phone you're like fuck i don't really want to be doing this all the time you know mm. yeah yeah well it used to just be like a training log for me instagram yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's still semi his, but now I just try and add a little bit of the coaching stuff to it. So I guess, um, but yeah, yeah trying still, still, still very, uh, uh, certainly not an expert. Just trying to. Oh, you'll it figure it out. I mean, well, the thing is, is that you actually have something to post. Whereas most people on social media don't, they're trying to manufacture stuff. 
Whereas, and it's hard to do that and not be just like, like make shit like be fake. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you're a, if you're a, a guy who knows what he's doing with coaching and you know what you're doing with your own training, then like you got plenty to offer. So I don't think there'll be an issue there, but, uh, you know, at least yeah. you got that. <laughs> I'm sure we're very similar. It sounds like we're very similar in, in the fact that it's just not natural. Like I, I would, I would mm. if it were up to me, I would sit in my room and just train in the garage and then I'd rock up to a comp once or twice a year and just do my thing and be like, cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not me to, like, I know, not, not, I would, if it's not me to just push it out there and, and show people and talk about it and stuff. But um, as I meet more people in the industry that are higher level, I realize that a lot, a lot of them like that. A lot of us, a lot of the, yeah. the top end coaches have, it's not exactly who they were. They've just. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think you're right. When I started doing this, I actually kind of had a similar idea to you and I literally just went, right, I'm going to do a video every single day on Instagram. I'm just going to like do it. And, you know, and that got me comfortable in front of a camera and most of them are really shit. Um, and I had to some like come up with shit to talk about and I usually just did it off the cuff. So it wasn't amazing, but gets you comfortable in front of the camera, gets you being creative, which I think is quite good as well. So it's got its benefits to be honest. Yeah. 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 And then, like you said, that, um, Lisa helping more people or, uh, getting more people coming to, uh, come to a seminar or, or buy your stuff or whichever way there's obviously multiple things that come. But yeah, when I, when I see the guy, when I was over in America and I see Steffi and she's got like a f- fucking camera in her face, oh. but Nearly every yeah. second of the day, other than when she's on the toilet or doing important businessy stuff, um, I'm just like, God damn, they take it really seriously. Oh, she's really. a content machine. Jordan was telling me a bit about um, what they're doing over there, and it's just like crazy. Yeah, but I loved it. I was like, Yeah, like I, 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 a part of me, I maybe maybe a few years ago, or, or even further back, or something, you would have been like, oh, Man, it's just like. Yeah, I don't know. It's not for me. But now I get it. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a different. I almost respect it. I'm like, God, that's awesome. Like, fuck, I wish I could do that. Well, yeah. I, I think, like, I, I agree with that. And I took the mentality. I shifted my mindset. I went, this is, I run a business. This is marketing. When I'm doing stuff on social media, that's part of my job because it's marketing. It's like you said, if you want to be an online coach, you've got to be online. Well, this is me. Instead of like having a brick and mortar business, and I'm going around like posting flyers and getting reviews off of customers and that kind of stuff. It's like, well, this is my marketing strategy is interacting with people online. So yeah, you look at it that way and you go, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I got to do it. I'm a business owner. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but it's uh, in this, I guess... It's, it kind of fits in with this world that we're in right now, which is uh, mm. everybody's isolated. And uh, I'm sure you've noticed, I'm sure everybody's noticed that you, uh, online coaching has kind of been shoved to the forefront. Uh, yeah. Not that it wasn't before, but even more so now because uh, everybody kind of has to. So it's um, very interesting. I think, it's, I think it's a really good opportunity for the whole industry to reshape and maybe for the people who uh, weren't adapting to adapt you know, to be forced into it and maybe it means some people go down, but that's part of the game. That's, that's the world. That's life. Yeah, it is. Do you think it'll change the industry sort of moving forward? Like after it's all said and done? Yeah, for sure. I think, well, I mean, I'm sure you've met a lot of people who weren't comfortable with training with a coach online. 
because mm-hmm. they were like, oh, I don't know. I just like somebody there. I like a little bit of a push, whatever, whatever the excuse is. But now you have to. Yeah. And now it's either you do that or you get off your bum and you motivate yourself and use a little bit of discipline, get in the gym, you know, do it yourself. And uh, so I feel this is going to hopefully get people a lot more open to that idea of online coaching can be really, really, really good when done well. Um, obviously there are, there are bad online coaches who don't do it so well and don't communicate very well and don't, just, just don't coach very well. They might be a great coach in person, but they're just not great online. And so that's going to be a bit of a challenge for them. But like I said, that's life. You've got to adapt, you've got to change. And I think that hopefully, yeah, after this, that it gets yeah people more comfortable and they just keep on, they, even when the gyms are open, they're like, oh, they're open to the idea of having an online coach. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a nice catalyst for change in a lot of parts yeah, of our society, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Restaurants, cafes, organized. Oh, I mean, that's brutal. I really feel for those guys because, uh, I mean, obviously we all run on, on pretty small margins in general, especially if you're a brick and mortar business, but mm-hmm. that is pretty rough. I read something in, I think it was like a Washington Post article that was, it, it was, it was speculation, but it was just saying that like, they reckon that, you know, 70 to 80% of the restaurants that have closed in the U S might not open again, which is pretty full on. If you talk, yeah, if you, if you, if you drag this out over, I mean, if it was a month, yeah, I think yeah. it bounce. six months, man. I, I don't know yeah, who, who will survive. I don't know. Um, but it's for, I can already see adaptions. I can already see businesses being a little bit creative. Um, obviously things like Uber Eats and whatnot, but like the cafes even around here are like they're delivering coffee to people yeah. and things like that, which they never did before. So that's awesome. So I like that. I, I like that it might, it, it's going to shake things up. It's not a great situation. I wish it never happened, but um, trying to take the small positives. Yeah, I agree with that. I made a bit of a post about that where it's like, look, you can't change what's happened now. So we got to look for the silver lining and mm. definitely the innovation that comes out of it is pretty big. And it's an opportunity to just like hit the pause button on everything and restructure it from like an individual level to like what your day looks like. What are you doing with your life? All that kind of stuff all the way up to what am I doing with my training all the way up to a business? Like how do we operate? What innovations do we have to make because we're forced to, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Mm. No, well, uh, that's pretty much it. But uh, like it's obviously tough, but it's it's almost like when you've got that momentum going and you're just in your day to day, you don't have time to kind of stop and think about it. Like I was talking to, I got a couple of mates who are trainers that have been seriously thinking about getting into online for a long time, but it's <laughs> like you go to the gym and like you've gotten up at four thirty or whatever. You're in the gym, you're coaching people all day long. You get home, you're fucking exhausted, and then you got to try and work on all of the systems and shit to get your online business running. And so it just kind of gets keep pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. And you're a year later, you still haven't quite gotten it up and running, but now it's like, all right, dude, it's happening now because you don't have anybody to train otherwise. Yeah. That's it. Jump in. You have to just full, full force get into it. Um, yeah. But luckily we live in a world where people like yourself and many other people are, there's enough information there. It's like surely if you, if you can't figure it out now, yeah. Uh, like the fact that we're talking here on zoom and things like that. Like it's, it can be done. Yeah, absolutely. It can be done. Um, 
Yeah, dude. Have you changed much of what you're obviously you, you said to me before, like you've got uh, clients who now have like basically bands as, uh, as their equipment, like what sort of stuff have you had to go through to, to change up for people? A lot. So yeah, I've spent the last one, two weeks just rewriting everybody's program from people that didn't need to change too much as in like they own gyms. I'm lucky that I, I train a few yeah. people that own gyms or that uh, manage gyms. So they're still, in a fairly similar situation, although it still changes things because environment and stress and all that stuff are just different. Um, people that have big home gyms, obviously not too affected. And then, yeah, like you said, people that just have a bar maybe, or just have a couple of plates or just have a kettlebell or just have a band or just have literally nothing. So I've had to come up with uh, ways that they can train and not not go too hard backwards the people who have nothing is really hard to say look yeah you're going to come out of this and you're still going to be strong because yeah chances are you you're going to lose something even if it's just skill um mm. of squat bench deadlifts but um so for them people it's more hey we're going to maintain muscle and reset expectations on that uh focus on nutrition focus on life focus on cardio focus on health um and for other people that, like I said, have a full home gym, it's like eh, business is normal, except with a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of tweaks here, there. It, um, and I'm lucky. I'm, I'm mostly in that category because I've spent the last couple of years planning for the day when we bought a house uh, that was much bigger than the one that I'm currently in, uh, which I plan on putting a gym in of some portion and turning into a little content studio and whatnot. Um, and so whenever something came up really cheap, I would just kind of like just buy that and then put it in the corner and then buy this and put it in the corner. So I've actually ended up with in my single uh, car garage here, um, a monolift, a comp bench, <laughs> uh, leg extension, leg curl, GHR, set of kettlebells, um, deadlift bar, deadlift uh, squat bar, heaps. Of <laughs> so like, <laughs> yeah, I've nearly got every, it's just that it's so small and not meant to be in that sort of, I never expected it to be in that sort of space. It, it was all on pallets a week ago. just cr- like um, broken down, but um, <laughs> yeah, but now you can't walk in there. <laughs> like yeah. You have to jump, jump over a leg extension to do the bench. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I mean, yeah, not optimal, but, um, but uh, it, it, it'll, it'll do me the job. And it's, it's all so I only did my first, at home workout yesterday, like on my own with Mickey. And um, it still wasn't the same. It's still going to take like yeah. I reckon, a couple of weeks to a month to just kind of like be happy to train as hard as I would before without uh, actually going to the gym and, and seeing people. And because when yeah, you, go like to the gym, you, you don't have your crew around you, hey? Well, yeah. And you just go, when you go to the gym, there's no other purpose for you to be in that yep. place other than train. Whereas when you're at home, you're like, halfway through a bench set and you're like, oh, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to, I've got that chore to do and you can walk, you can easily just like walk inside or whatever. Um, so I'm going to have to break that mentality and uh, I'm pretty disciplined in general. So I'll be right. I'll just, I'll just get my program from Jamie and tick the boxes like I normally do. Yeah, that helps. I, it's, I find that really hard as well. It's like, I always used to find that with people, if you would put things like, oh, you got to do your mobility and then, they'll be like, Oh, I could do that at home. Like that's not going to get done. If you do it at home, it's got to be tacked onto like, well, I'm at the gym. I got no other purpose except to do it now. And that's like the tough thing with the current situation is people kind of losing that structure and, and like this place is for this. Well, it's like, okay, my one bedroom apartment is now where I cook, eat, sleep, train, 
work, everything. Yeah, well, like you said, that you know the the restaurants and cafes and trainers and whatnot are going to have to adapt. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see in however long, six months more, uh, who's left. Like who who hasn't lost a shit ton of muscle or lost a shit ton of strength, and who yeah. comes back to powerlifting and who's who's at that level? Like who who has the discipline to make it through it? Um, I'm interested to see. I'm, yeah, it will be very interesting. And it's also interesting because again, it does provide opportunity. Like when we, when we first met in person, I think it was when I headed down to warrior performance and we were in there and we were chatting and we spent like the whole time talking about how good pushups were and, and that kind of thing, you know, so it's like, it is typical powerlifter to be like, well, I'll just push through and I've got to get through this next uh, training cycle so that I can, you know, get to my next, uh, my next load and all this sort of stuff. But it does present a bit of an opportunity to start taking care of some of those other things that powerlifters are traditionally not so good at taking care of as well. If this was, if this was a two week thing, right? If this, if this only lasted two weeks, um, which it isn't, but you know, if, if, if it did, I, I would almost say it's going to benefit all nearly all powerlifters are going to come out the other end better because things like push-ups, things like all that stuff that, that people don't do uh, now they're doing and they're getting away from uh, the super specific programs that powerlifters are known for the, you know, super high volumes on squat bench deadlift and uh, all these really big uh, lifts that, that make you hold a lot of tension and stuff like that. So uh, actually getting people moving in different ways and in different directions and focusing on slightly different uh I guess aspects of their health and, and movement, cardio, all that stuff. It's, it's would be a huge benefit. The six months, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, six months is a long time, but uh, you know, maybe it will change the mentality a little bit. Can you expand a little bit more on some of the stuff that you do that is like not typical powerlifting stuff? So we've spoken about push-ups already and like a big part of that is obviously just trying to get out of, you know, retraction, depression all the time what are some of the main things that you look at with most powerlifters that are being neglected? Well, it's hard because like when somebody comes into powerlifting and they've got a decent base already, if you just do a really high specific high frequency, like high volume, whatever specific program, just lots of comp squats, comp bench, comp deadlift, uh, you'll get really good at them really quickly. You make so many gains that, um, you, yeah, you, you catch up to a lot of people real quick and, um, and be making all this progress and so it's hard to convince people like that that it's not something that's going to just go on like eventually um things are going to start to catch up with you you know specific this specificity comes at a cost and that cost is not being able to move um super well in 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 ways that aren't powerlifting uh it comes you know uh all your other attributes or whatever you want to call them like endurance or cardio or like all that stuff that starts to to go down um and obviously as you get higher and higher level it's it, it becomes even more imbalanced like that but yeah so during a during a year or during you know, longer term periodization i like to obviously still be specific and i close the comp but i'm probably a lot less specific with my training uh on the other side of comp uh, and much further away from training. I, I don't really low bar uh, too much at all until deep comp prep, um, four to eight weeks out, something like that, maybe maybe yeah, right. a little bit more. 
um, comp benching, especially with like my big arch and everything. I'll, I'll, I, if I'm, if I'm benching multiple times a week, it might be in there once, but the other two are definitely like flat back or uh, feet up or something different to try and drive some different movement. And my accessories are usually a lot different than the norm. Um, which are just usually variations of squat bench deadlift for most people. So yeah, I, I try to frame, I, I justify it by saying that like that powerlifting is always going to be a long-term sport that if, if you're going to, if it's, you're not going to get be a champion overnight, it's going to be a decade probably um, before you're right at the top. And if you want to last that long, you're going to need to do some of that other stuff. You're going to need a smarter plan um, because like I said, it's, if that's best for you, it comes at a cost. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause issues. It will, 100%. Um, and yeah, hard to convince people of that because it works until it doesn't work pretty much. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a really tough thing to get through people's heads sometimes. But it's <laughs> well, also a case... Hey? I said I learned it the hard way. So I mean, I yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. Um, I mean, I did as well. Like, and I'm, I've never done you know, hardcore powerlifting or anything like that. I've, I've always been like a bit interested in being strong, but then, you know, doing mostly physique stuff. And even that, when you do the same movement patterns over and over and over again, it just catches up to you after many years. And I got to the point where I was like, man, I've had back pain. I've had wrist pain. I've had shoulder pain and neck pain constantly. And you don't even need to get to that point to realize like, Hey, I can't run down the road to catch a bus without feeling like absolute shit, you know? Um, so I think it, it probably applies to everybody, but, you know, like at, at what point are you, so let's say someone's trying to get good, right? At powerlifting, their intermediate sort of level. How much do you run with still having them do comp style lifting as a proportion of their training just so that they can build that skill? Because obviously at your level now, you've got the skill where like you could start back squatting four weeks out and pick that up super quick and be fine for a comp. Maybe some other people wouldn't. Is that accurate? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's, uh, it's hard to give you a, real direct answer because like you said everybody's going to be at a different skill level in terms of technique Uh, they're going to as in like if i squat or if somebody else who's a really efficient squatter it might not they might not get as many side effects from it as in like you know tendons getting beaten up joints getting beaten up tightness just whatever you want to call it um where and and they're also probably not as they might not be as strong or as you know like there's so many factors that come into it and it's pretty much uh, I guess that's where being a good coach comes into it is because like you should be taking data. Um, you should be like looking at set points as maybe four sets a week they can handle, maybe six sets a week they can handle before they start to break down. Like if you're taking in the data, uh, you can manage that data. So it's more, it's, I, I don't want to say it's trial and error, but it almost is to a degree that, you know, if uh, you want to, you have set points to start with. I'll have like, oh, this person should be around there and then they're getting a little bit too beat up. We back it off a little bit. We get, they're not getting beat up at all. We're going to add more in. Um, so unfortunately, that's the kind of the best answer I have for that because, uh, yeah, I know people that can squat 15 sets of low bar a week and, and keep going forward. Whereas if yeah. I do, in my last prep, I did three, uh, three to four sets depending on the week because <laughs> squatting yeah. tends to really fuck me up. And if I do too much, I end up going one step forward, one step back, you know, week to week. Whereas um, if I keep it lower volume, uh, I can still kind of build a little bit of momentum. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, some good lessons in there because I, 
one of my biggest frustrations is people asking for like, what exactly should I do? Especially when it comes to things like, um, you know, set numbers for different body parts and things like that. That's a really big uh, topic in the sort of physique sports uh, kind of world where it's like, okay, you've got to do 10 to 20 working sets per body part and all this kind of stuff. And the reality is, is that it's so variable depending on, like you said, you know, what if you have really long femurs and so squatting is just going to produce that much more stress on your lower back and you're going through a larger range of motion for quads, you know, what if you're a bit under recovered that week uh, and you can't handle as many. And it's, it's important that we have that data and that mindset of like understanding that it's a floating target. And that is where experience and good coaching comes in like big time. Yeah. Like I said, it's, you got to have a rough idea if you've dealt with enough people. Um, and I, there's recommendations out there, like around the, the 10 sets a week mark for, for squat and deadlift and a bit more for bench 15, 20, whatever. Um, but like I just said, I'm way below that for squat. And I know it's not optimal. I'm not saying, hey, hey I only do three sets of squat a week and, and, my, and I, my, I'm a strong squatter, so in your face, science <laughs> i'm not sitting here saying that because i know that more would probably be better i just know that it beats me up if i push too hard at this moment uh, obviously i'm working on ways to, to to maybe get around that limitation but at this moment like i said if i do more uh, it beats me up and i i end up in a loop in a cycle of just getting nowhere spinning my wheels yeah um <clears throat> it's just that old equation of like enough time under the bar without being injured and you'll get there. Right. Um, like, so a lot of this stuff, I know, I know you spend like a fair bit of time kind of upskilling, like what's your kind of balance on going between things like research and then learning from people who are kind of a bit more cutting edge. Cause like, I know you, you obviously went with Jamie across the U S and you do stuff like that fairly often when you're talking to people like Pat Davidson and that kind of thing. And a lot of that is obviously just so outside the scope of, um, you know, a typical research, kind of background like how do you reconcile those two worlds how do you learn what to put into practice and how do you test that stuff out like how does that all work oh geez um yeah obviously yeah like i said went over there to america uh pat well first i maybe should say with with pat and zach the the two seminars i do there zach couples pat davison um very big movement the biomechanics type people um a lot of focus on uh well, Zach, especially like a lot of focus on respiration mechanics and stuff like that mm. and using that to uh, change rib cage shape and with that change shoulders, how shoulders move and things like that. So it's not really, I mean, powerlifting still, still lifting, still moving. Um, so it's not that it doesn't really fall into powerlifting. It's just that a lot of powerlifters don't get there. And that's why my, uh, my accessories and my, they're all probably a little bit different. And you would have, uh, I haven't listened to where you talked about Jamie, but we, we do like a lot of reaching and a lot of like little drills to try and uh, optimize those little mechanics. And, and basically all we're trying to do, it's not that we're, a lot of people think that it's bullshit and it's voodoo hoodoo because it's not going to make you stronger. But the thing is, if I can avoid those training side effects, the, the inflammation, the getting beat up, the putting stress on structures that I'm not really trying to put stress on. Um, like if I'm doing a squat and I'm getting a lot of uh, back arching up and stuff like that, and I walk out of a squat session with my hip flexors on fire and my, my back, low back on fire and uh, my adductors 
uh, pissed off because I'm shifting in the squat or something like that. It's going to limit my volume and that's going to limit how strong I can get. So all this stuff, it's not that it's going to make me stronger directly. It's just that, Hey, it's going to, uh, it's, I'm doing it so I can train harder. I can train the squat bench and deadlifts harder. So it's, it's really, really frustrating for me when people say that, cause it's, it's not an easy explanation either. Cause they ask, Oh, what do you do that? that crap for and I'm just like yeah but whatever like it's almost not worth it half the time but that's why it's because they allow me to do more squat bench and deadlifts it's not that I'm trying to avoid working harder I'm doing that so I can work harder um but as far as balancing sorry I had to I had to nail that yeah dude a, that's good <laughs> but um yeah but uh as far as bouncing between the education and that it's hard it's it's hard there's not many I guess lifters at my level that are also pushing the coaching stuff so hard as well. A lot of people one or the other. Um, and it is a really hard balance and probably during comp preps, I'm not doing the, the research and the, um, the courses or any of that stuff as much. Uh, and then times like this post comp or, you know, kind of post comp with pro being up, but, um, I'm on, Phone calls to guys like you. I was just on a uh, Kyle Dobbs little webinar thing that was running earlier. Awesome. I was the other day. I was watching uh, a webinar by David Gray as well on assessing clients. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So, yeah. so come this post comp time, I'm I'm just I'm um, I'm big on just slamming it then and then. Uh, so I guess it goes through phases. It's it's not that exactly that I go, hey, I'm going to learn this month and then next month I'm going to let it sink in and flow into my programs or whatever. But it just kind of happens through that almost periodization of my training. It's a, uh, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. I, n- I never thought of it until you just kind of made me think <laughs> about it. Yeah, it goes a bit like that. You probably, I mean, you chase your interests as well, right? Like if something's really intriguing you, then you'll do a deep dive on it and play around with some stuff and, and kind of do that kind of thing too. <laughs> I experiment on myself a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I've nearly had every, I, I'm lucky that I actually haven't had any big injuries. I haven't torn anything um, significantly that I've ever had to go and get a scan or whatever anyway. Um, I haven't had any of that stuff happen uh, that most people would expect me to have being um, this far into powerlifting. But I've had all the niggles. I've had all the hip flexors being angry. I've had all the the back being jacked up. I've had the the glutes being pissed off and the hip shifts and the twisting and the the shoulders from benching and um, this, my right AC joints, uh, a little bit out of line from when I've, sat a bar and went front squatting. So, I mean, like, it's just, I had all that little stuff and I've had to figure it out. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause that was the driver. At the, yeah. You Great, driver. Great advertisement for powerlifting there. That's very good. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. It's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna... yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, you know, you're going to move and you're going to shift heavy weight. You're going to deal with some of that stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, so what has been some of the stuff that's made the biggest difference for you personally? Like, uh, I remember when you had that, you had a bit of a back niggle and you started doing some of the breathing stuff and that seemed to help a lot. Was that one of them? Um, I'm kind of always fighting that if it's, if you're just talking in terms of like mm. low backs and hip flexors being, um, jacked up for lack of a better word, uh, over, over, over tight, or whatever. Um, and it's just because of the nature of the sport, like that big arched bench press, trying mm. to extend out of the hole in a squat because it's a low bar squat and it kind of makes you do that anyway. 
deadlifting, doing a similar pattern. So to all get a high load through those patterns and get that classic flat upper back, uh, hyperlordic kind of posture where you just start hanging off your hip flexors and stuff like that. Uh, you lose the abs. So like, yeah, that, that breathing stuff, it just helps kind of somewhat, somewhat balance that back out. I'll probably never be balanced until I stop powerlifting, but it helps me just like maybe, you know, uh, not be injured and keep on moving forward. That's what's important. So yeah, that breathing stuff, it's we're basically doing, I guess, anti-powerlifting. I'm doing more, I'm laying on the ground. I'm trying to get some hamstrings. I'm trying to get those hamstrings to orient my pelvis in, in the other way to what it's uh, used to being jammed in. Um, r- relaxing those hip flexors, relaxing that lower back, getting some tone out of there, getting me some abs happening, getting some obliques, um, getting some serratus. Uh, so all the stuff that powerlifting does the kind of the opposite of. So I'm kind of doing, uh, just trying to offset it to some degree, I guess. Um, and you'll be surprised how far that takes you because you, if once you clean up those sagittal plane, those flexion extension issues throughout the body, all of a sudden, uh, all the, all the frontal transverse rotational type stuff that you um, were missing before, they start to come back in and all of a sudden you can get your muscles start doing the jobs that they're meant to be doing. Um, yeah, because that, that's what, that was part of that specificity comes as a cost thing, is it? But one of the costs for palliatives is you get jammed in that same pattern over and over and over and you have to um, work out ways to offset it. Whether you want to do little breathing drills like me, which I think is optimal or whatever, or you uh, learn how to incorporate that in your training um, in other ways, whatever. But you need yeah. to do something to offset it. Yeah, very cool. I think uh, speaking of David Gray, he often has this little phrase that he just says, like, what are you missing? Try and get that. And uh, yeah, just like, much. you know, that simplifies, that simplifies it so much and just makes you go, ah, yeah, actually I haven't reached overhead in a long time. Yeah. 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 And if you watch his, um, assessments, they're quite simple. Uh, it's not like you know, lay on the table and we're going to measure every single joint range that you have and see what you don't have and fix it. But he could do that. And I'm sure, um, mm. it would work, but most of his stuff is like, you know, uh, touch your toes, bend backwards, Let's see where you can move, you know, flex side to side and, um, and exactly what you just said, what don't you have, but, uh, working with very similar goals, very similar shaped people. Um, like I do, we start to get, I start to become a little bit more predictable. It's, it's yeah, all that stuff that I literally just was talking about, but I'm sure that every pal that's listened to this, um, can say that they've they've <laughs> they have the tight hip flexor, they have the low back, or they have at some stage. It's just uh, it's part of the sports. What it is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the more experience you get, the more you can just kind of lay some stuff down in a program and be like, yeah, look, this is like this helps ninety percent of people I see, so it should be sweet. And then we can make the little tweaks where it's needed. Um, mm-hmm. That's the easy way to do it. I find uh, just the more experience you get as a coach, anyway, it, it really helps. Those um, seminars like- I see, they help. Uh, Zach couples is really clinical. He's very yep. like, this is the behind the scenes. This is the wires. This is the house. Uh, this is step one. This is step two. This is step three. Go through it. Um, very, very structured education. And then Pat's obviously a little bit more free flow, like just talking shit, um, which okay. I love both of them. They're both amazing and just slightly different educational uh, ways. Um, but yeah, those guys help clear up a lot of the, the background, the, the wires, the house, the, the underlying stuff. And then once you know that, then it's 
It's almost simple. And then when you go to guys like David Green, he's just doing like a toe touch, but you can tell you he's a real, that toe touch is assessing more than your ability to touch your toes. It's like, you know, it's a big list. Um, so yeah, it seems quite simple, but uh, the, 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 the stuff underneath it is, uh, is, is complex. Yeah, I think anything, whether it's new, like I, I get it a lot with nutrition, it, it can be as complex yep. as you want to make it. Uh, or it can be like pretty simple. It can be like eat eat fruits and vegetables and lean protein, or it can be as, as deep yeah. as you want to go. Eat more to so, gain weight, eat less, lose weight. Yeah. In the biochem world and stuff like that, you're like, no, go, no, no. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I really like looking at stuff like what Pat does, for example, and there's many other people like him. I'm just using him like uh, as a bit of an example, but uh, what I appreciate about what he's doing is that it's the same with like uh, a lot of other people where they're pushing the edge of, of, they're sort of being creative with things. They're testing out ideas. They're almost hypothesizing as they go along. Um, and that sometimes to me results in some stuff that's like a little bit weird that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, and something that I wouldn't make sense to me. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, and so I think you do see some weird stuff. It's like, Oh, okay. This guy's blowing into a balloon and reaching across his hips or whatever. And you know, that's, that's fine. I think a lot of what people end up missing out on though, is taking the principle of what's happening there and then applying that. Um, so it's like, again, coming back to that sort of principle based stuff. And like within that we can explore a bit and, I don't know. It's this weird thing. Like we spoke about going online before and people are really like, you'll find people will nitpick you sometimes about stuff because it's like, Oh, I couldn't fit every single context into an Instagram caption. Sorry, mate. Uh, but they'll nitpick you sometimes without looking at the principle of what you're trying to do. And they won't give the benefit of the doubt when you're kind of spitballing a little bit, which Mm. kind of pushes the industry forward. If you have those people who are willing to be creative and put something out there, without getting shouted down by like, oh, that's not evidence-based. You know what I mean? Yeah, Pat's, <clears throat> even at his seminar, he kind of uh, would uh, say at the start, hey, like, uh, actually, actually, one of his slides was actually the, oh, fuck, I forget whose quote it is. You might know uh, where it's saying that all models are wrong, mm. uh, but some are useful. Uh, that's actually one of the opening slides in the first re- uh, iteration of the, rethinking the big patterns and other demands um, and just saying that, Hey, like just because there might be, you know, in the future, we might learn that some of this was wrong and some of this is right. But it's, it's still, yeah, it's still driving stuff forward. It's still, uh, it's still useful in some way. So yeah. Yeah. And there's guys, there's guys beyond Pat that you might not know that um, are way more out there in terms of uh, the, the fringy type stuff, but yeah, the, the PRI stuff that, that scares people that the balloon stuff and, and weird clinical, but it's, they have to understand that uh, it's, yeah, it's you know, the, the people that are that same for aren't, aren't necessarily you, you know what yep. I mean? If you want to, if you're in the gym banging around big weights and you're not injured and stuff, maybe some of that clinical rehab type stuff isn't exactly for you. So like, I don't know, it doesn't have to fit everybody. It just, uh, I think that's where people like to shit on it, but it's like, maybe it's just not, it's, it doesn't fit in with your goal. Cool. Yeah. 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 Simple as that. Hey, like (laughs) it's pretty funny that how people get so wrapped up in it and they get so passionate about it. And it's like, 
uh, let people enjoy stuff. You don't have to gatekeep everything. <clears throat> yeah, I sometimes get a little bit intimidated by it, but people like uh, calling out like something that I've said or, or uh, whether they're just trolling or whether they're trying to be constructive and just have a debate or whatever they want to call it. Um, yeah, but sometimes it's just like, hey, uh, I'm going to do this because I find benefit to it. So whatever. <laughs> that's it. End of story. That's, that's yep. a good enough reason. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've had, a, I've had a bit of that sometimes uh, online um, where people are just being very, uh, very black and white with stuff. And it's, I mean, that's, that's human nature, I suppose. But um, honestly, I think if you're, if you're putting stuff out there <clears throat> with genuine uh, intent to make something useful, then most people are pretty good with it. So I'm, I'm sure it won't be mm -hmm. too much of an issue anyway. Uh, until you get like, I think until you get like massive where you, you've got 100K plus followers kind of thing and, and people are just like reposting your shit everywhere. And then you start to get all of the naysayers who think, ah, it's not really a human being anymore. So we'll just talk shit about him wherever. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hopefully by that point, for every hater, you've also got a guy that loves you and, and it balances and it's all right. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I think, it, I think it is mostly that way anyway. I think that's, that's exactly it. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, man, uh, what sort of stuff you kind of do outside of powerlifting or hobbies outside of the gym and things like that that you're into? Oh, man. Man, it takes up a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny, like everyone's going into isolation. I'm just like, oh, this is my, uh, this is my normal life. I just life. keep doing what I'm doing. Other than there are more crazy people. Out yeah. in the streets trying to give me death stares for for, for walking around or something from different yeah. different world. But um uh geez, it's in terms of like completely non lifting related yeah uh, out there stuff. Geez, um man, you've you've got me on the spot. It's because like my whole life is uh, revolves around it, whether it's coaching or, or doing different aspects of it. Um, it's kind of like my day to day, but uh, I'll go to uh, music gigs and things like that. Cool. Um, but not a huge social go out and party uh, type guy. It's just not my scene to, and anybody that's met me knows that. Like I'm just. If, if, if everybody's going to a nightclub, I'm like, cool, it's not even close to my scene. Or not even a nightclub, <laughs> just like a, a, a place with a lot of people is not my thing. Um, so, yeah, that and, and just sports in general, other sports. So um, pretty much every sport that is available to watch, I'm watching it, I'm following it. Um, yes, right. When they, at the start of the year when the Australian Open's on and um, watching those guys at their high level doing it and then, you know, quickly – well, not this year, but go into the football season and I'll watch that and I'll watch every game of that. And then I just like high level uh, athleticism. It's more of a respect thing. It's like, Jesus, that guy's fucking incredible at what he does. And I'll never be like it, but I don't care. Yeah. Cause that's just, it's just that that's amazing. Dude, um, I find a common thread with uh, a lot of high level lifters and that kind of thing. Like uh, guys that are like super into tennis and stuff. And you're like, right, a power lifter that's super into tennis. But I mean, it makes sense because it's people expressing physicality in this uh, incredible way, right? It's just more the effort. Like, you know how much effort it takes. Mm. Whereas a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I'm just genetically built like that. And I'm like, nah, nah, trust me. He's put in hours. <laughs> no, no way. Yeah. Um, and it's a... <sighs> And it's almost another level to powerlifting. Like powerlifting's at the bottom of the realms as far as 
athleticism goes. So when you see these guys jump and run and have all these different attributes and the ability to be strong and, you know, like uh, I was watching the NFL combine the other week and then there's mm. like that, the offensive lineman, I forget his name or whatever, but he was like 6'8 and 160 kilos or something and then ran like a five second. Oh, uh, mate, that is fucking scary. I don't even understand that. Yeah, I just, I think that's impressive because like for me, powerlifting is just like purely, pure 100% strength. Um, and maybe it's the fact that I just, I can't do that other stuff, but I just find that so much, so impressive when somebody can run and somebody can jump and somebody can do all that stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, we, we try to get and go to that stuff live and lucky, we're lucky in Australia that uh, yeah. we have Brisbane just down the road and I can do that. Yeah, watching watching sport live is very very different. I remember so my wife's um, Swedish, and then you know, so I'm pretty into rugby union because I used to play that. And uh, you know, watching any sport like that on the TV, uh, rugby league as well, with the the sort of speed and the the size of the collisions is you don't even realize until you see it live how full on that fucking sport is. It's unreal. Um, but yeah, her seeing that stuff live, she's like, Jesus, okay, I can get into this now. Mm. Yeah, what, what sports are big there? Uh, they do a uh, fair bit of hockey and, and football, soccer, uh, that kind of thing. But they have a, a few like really full-on ones. Um, like we were watching where they do the, it's like an endurance cross-country ski with the shooting in the middle. I don't know what they actually call it. It <laughs> no, sounds amazing. Mate, yeah, so we're watching that and it's pretty interesting because like in our part of the world, no one even knows what that is, but over here it's like a a pretty big deal and honestly the the sheer endurance, I mean you want to talk about people getting fucking jammed up, like doing that sort of cross-country skiing motion for, they literally go for like two to four hours, I mean, it's full on man, Uh, But so that's pretty cool, they're quite into that Uh, and then Things like handball and that kind of stuff are also there. And I actually think those are super cool sports. I don't know if you've ever played it. I played it at school once. They, they kind of got us into like European style handball. I actually think mm. it's a pretty sick sport, but uh, obviously not super popular. So it's kind of like different, different stuff here. I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's not quite like footy. You know, it misses that, um, that sort of physicality. Uh, hockey is pretty physical, obviously. But other than that, it's not a lot of physicality in, involved. When I went over to America, it was uh, obviously everybody knows American sports just because it's America. It's different. You know, they push it on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When I went over there, the, it was a completely different level. It was just like, holy shit, these people love sport. Um, and when I come back to Australia, it's almost, I wouldn't say ruined it, but it's just like, oh, God, I, I wish that it was at that level, you know? Like when we went to Alabama. We went to um, the college football there. It was oh, yeah. like middle of the season, not even you know, like a finals game, whatever, just like an everyday um, mid, mid-season thing. Um, there were people there drinking like all day, like leading up to the game, and then they would march in, and there was like 120,000 or something stupid. Like people, <laughs> like more than the AFL grand final here or whatever. And it's just yeah. like... Fuck, and these guys aren't even getting... These are like 20-year-olds that aren't even getting paid. Jeez. Dude, like, I know. Well, so I used to go, I went for um, exchange to 
University of Mississippi. So it's also, you know, it's Southeast Conference. Yeah. It's like, it's a religion there with, with football. And oh, the town that the, that the university's in had something like forty to 50,000 people regularly, including all the students and stuff. And then on game day, if it's a big game, yeah, you got 120,000 mm. at the game. Like, just yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, it, it blew my mind, honestly. Like that whole six weeks of trip, there were a lot of good things like the seminars and like the, the powerlifting comp that I did and meeting everybody and learning lots of things. But that, that was probably the one like just mind-blowing moment where I was just like, geez, it's just next level. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's, it's fucking full on. Yeah, and I love it. I, I now, now I'll watch it and I'll, I'll find streams and, and figure out how to watch it <laughs> and stuff like that. So, and that's another one they've sucked me into. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. Um, it's gotten actually all of those sports have gotten a lot more popular. I've I've found like a lot more people getting involved with, you know, March Madness. A lot more people getting involved with like, uh, you know, fantasy football, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's pretty interesting. Like on this end of the world, over there. Yeah, yeah, like it, it's it's odd. Uh, just across the world, people getting more and more into that sort of stuff and watching more of their sports, um, which is they do it so well. Yeah, they do. Like I've got like the ESPN app, and it's like constantly buzzing at me. Like, look at this, look at this, look at the other <laughs> yeah. like, fifty articles a second coming out about what this guy did or what that team did or what you know. And it's obviously not right now because of the state of the world. But um, so they they draw you in. They know how to do it. Um, Australia is not quite there yet. No, I, I think I think Rugby Australia is probably going to go under after this whole uh, virus thing. So <laughs> we'll see what ends up happening, mate. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, we might leave it there. Thanks very much for jumping on. Um, really appreciate sure. it. Could you plug all of your stuff? <laughs> uh, well, if you just follow us on Instagram at WCROZ, W-C-R-O-Z uh, you'll find me, William Crozier. Um, and my coaching uh, company, Nexus Performance, at nexusperformance.aus. Uh, if you find us on there on Instagram, like you'll be on the website and you'll know what we do straight away. So there's no awesome, use to man. tell you the other stuff that we do. You find out straight away. So yeah, jump on there and um, yeah, and we can help you out. Awesome, man. Thanks heaps.